With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is going on at Michigan? We got Jim Harbaugh having a regularly scheduled meeting with the rest of the Big Ten, and then we're having a conversation about the Big Ten needs to do something. It's what the Big Ten coaches are saying. Wild time in college football. Very wild time in college football, but we're glad to have you here. It is Thursday, November 2nd, 2023, the last one in history, about to make it an absolute movie. We're glad to have you a part of this operation. It's college football and only college football every single day of the year. We got a lot to jump into. I was telling Nick Break as we got rolling here, man, we, uh, we, we wanted to edit some stuff out of this show, but with it being the last live show of the week, just couldn't do that. There's too many things that we need to get aligned on before we jump into the beautiful thing that is the Week 10 college football slate. So we are pulling no punches. We're going all gas, no breaks. Like I said, a ton to jump into. The upset forecast, as always, every single Thursday. Going to unpack that one for you and give you a feel for where we're at there when it comes to some games that maybe you need to keep a close eye on before we get too far into the weekend. When you're watching that ticker and say, wait, what's the Penn State-Maryland score? Wait, 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 what's going on with Florida state Pitt? We'll talk about it. We'll give you our thoughts there. Also, we got Bedlam. And not just any Bedlam. We got the last Bedlam, at least in Big 12 play as we know it, for the foreseeable future. Well, not foreseeable future. Actually, ever. Unless something wild happens down the road. This is the last Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game we're going to get as Big 12 opponents. So who's going to win that one? Who's getting bragging rights going forward for the last time in Big 12 play? Well, we'll talk about it. We'll give you our pick, and that one give you our prediction. The college football playoff rankings, those came out the other day. And it's, like I said, it's sort of a feeling of you got your first exam grade back. It doesn't determine what you're going to do in the class, but it does kind of set the course for what you have to do the rest of the way to get the grade that you want. And a lot of these teams, they want to make the college football playoff. But what about those teams that were on the outside looking in? You know who I'm talking about. The teams that maybe were outside that top six, outside that top eight, maybe top 10 or right on the line of top 10, but they still have a chance actually to make the dance. Who are those teams that we need to keep an eye on? Those teams that could really wreak havoc on this whole college football playoff, nice and put together bracket that we have in front of us. I'll tell you those teams, tell you what they need to do and tell you why there's some more meat on the bone for a couple of those teams than maybe what meets the eye. Uh, Spoiler alert. There is a two-loss team in there that I think can make some noise. So we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. As always, every single Thursday, we do our upset forecast, and we give you our final thoughts, our final predictions on the big-time matchups across the slate. We're glad to have you here. I say it every single time. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a minute of what we got going on right here. Second part of that, make sure you are dialed in on the social channels at Jody Pakel, Instagram, Twitter. Those are the best places to stay with all the content we got going on this channel. That's first. Second, it's the platform in which we're going to interact back and forth during the week. All right. So whenever we got something going on over here, we're going to make sure we talk about it over there. All right. So with that being said, let's jump right into it. I want to talk about upset forecast in a second. Before we do that, though, we got to talk about what's going on at Michigan. Because 
everything going on with the Big Ten and Michigan. I mean, they just it feels like if you just refresh your timeline in social media world, like you're going to get a new story when it comes to Michigan. The latest of which being a Pete Thamel report that the Big Ten coaches on a regularly scheduled Zoom meeting, they had their 90-minute meeting, and then afterwards, Jim Harbaugh said, peace out, I'm going to jump off. Y'all can talk about what you want to talk about. The Big Ten coaches are going to Tony Petiti and saying, we want you to take action against Michigan. We want Michigan to have a punishment that happens this year, this season, right now, because the NCAA isn't doing anything. And so this one kind of reads a little bit funny because my first thought was like, well, what do you want them to do? <laughs> like, what do you actually want the Big Ten to step in here and do to Michigan? That would, that would appease you. And so I actually reached out to some people that work for On3 from the Wolverine and kind of asked, like, hey, what are you hearing about this whole conversation? What are you hearing about this situation with the Big Ten coaches wanting a pound of flesh? And the, the response back that I got was, essentially, the Big Ten coaches would like to have the Big Ten bar Michigan from playing in the Big Ten title game should they end up making it to that point. And to me, this, this gave me the vibe from an office episode where Jim says he has jury duty. If, if you, those of y'all that aren't familiar with The Office, this may not hit, but if you are, stick with me here. Jim says he has jury duty. And he says he has it the whole week, but he only goes for one day. And essentially, Dwight finds out about it, who is his nemesis in this situation, and says, well, I want Jim fired from The Office. I want him out of here. Either he goes or I go. And like... From a 30,000-foot from a view, you're saying you broke the rules. There should be punishment. There should be extreme consequences to a degree. Like, great, let's have that conversation. Maybe that is a good punishment. But then you get more in the weeds here, and it's like, is that really the best thing here for all parties involved? Is that really a realistic consequence for where we're standing here right now with Michigan? Like, I think that the thing that we got to talk about here is you want to punish Harbaugh if you're a Big Ten coach. More than likely is the sentiment that I would imagine is is going on throughout the Big Ten right now you want to see Jim Harbaugh be the one that's punished for what's going on you really want to punish JJ McCarthy you want to punish Blake Corum you want to punish Mike Sanders still because that's who you'd be punishing Jim Harbaugh he's got Big Ten championships Jim Harbaugh he's going to be fine any way you slice it whether he gets extended at Michigan and he stays around for however many more years he goes to the NFL like however you want to talk about this Jim Harbaugh's coming out of this thing just fine Okay, he's got options. J.J. McCarthy, he's got a year, two years left at Michigan. Blake Corm, this is his last go-around. Like, you really want to punish those individuals for something that happened that they have no idea about? I promise you, J.J. McCarthy doesn't know that Connor Stallions was potentially doing this whole situation where he goes to different Big Ten stadiums and is buying tickets. Like, he has no knowledge of that, but that's who you'd be punishing. That's who you'd be impacting. So I have an issue with that to start with. Second part of this, why would the Big Ten do that? Why would the Big Ten in their right mind say, arguably, the last two years, or arguably this year, but the last two years, the best team in the conference, we're going to keep you from playing for the conference title? Because you know what that impacts? Michigan's college football playoff hopes. And with Michigan being potentially a college football playoff team, that would, in that would impact very, very drastically the Big Ten's potential playoff hopes. Are we sure we want to do that? Are we sure we want to penalize the entire conference because we don't like the way that Jim Harbaugh went about doing things. Now, the other thing that I would say about this, like even, even if this were to happen, my understanding is that Michigan would, would file a restraining order. So like, hey, M Michigan, you can't play in the Big Ten title game. They said, cool, here's a restraining order. We're going to keep playing. And so it's kind of a like rock meets hard play, sort of a stalemate, if you will. 
But my question within this meeting would be, who are the loudest voices? Who are the loudest voices calling for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan to not be able to play in the Big Ten title game or to have some extreme punishment? Because if it's not Ryan Day or James Franklin, then I think those voices should have a little bit less validity to them. Because is the Indiana game any different with the sign-stealing operation that Michigan supposedly had going? Is the Michigan State game any different? Is the Rutgers game any different? No. Sign-stealing, I don't, I don't deny that it's probably an advantage. Like, we can all agree it's against the rules for a reason. It's probably an advantage. Is it a 35-point difference of an advantage, which is the average margin of victory right now for Michigan? No. Let's not kid ourselves here. Let's not kid ourselves here and say this is the reason why Michigan would play in the Big Ten title game or why they've been successful. Like, it's not making a difference. So if, if you got beat by 21 points against Michigan or more than that, then like let's all just kind of relax a little bit and say, okay, let's let somebody else handle this. Now, what I would say, too, about James Franklin and Ryan Day, if you want them to be taken out of contention for the Big Ten title game, maybe that is a whole separate video in itself for us to explore. But the games that are really going to impact Michigan's season are coming at the end of the season. That three-game stretch we talk about at Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State, you've heard me talk about it now many weeks in a row. And those games that are going to impact Michigan's season, I promise you, all those teams have changed their signs. Like Ohio State's not rolling out there with the same signs. Penn State's not rolling out with the, not, not rolling out there with the same signs. And if they were, like whose fault is that then, right? Like let's all kind of think about this logically. Whenever Michigan and Ohio State play, it will be the most even playing field. There will be no sign stealing. You would have to believe based on what's gone on to this point in the year and based on what you would imagine both teams have gone through to this point in the year. So all that's to say, let's not punish J.J. McCarthy for what's going on with Connor Stallions. And if Michigan 30-pieced you, then maybe there's other things to worry about than their potential of playing for the Big Ten Championship. So that's how we feel about that. We appreciate everything going on with this situation that's being covered by the Wolverine and everyone else within the On3 Network. They're doing a phenomenal job. But again, the Wolverine is going to keep you in the know for all things Michigan right up to the minute. So make sure you have a membership there. And uh, they do phenomenal work, does that entire team. All right, we prefaced this a little bit yesterday. If you like picks, we're going to do those picks, but that's going to be on my Twitter page, at JD Pakel. Also going to be on my Instagram page, so that's, that's first and foremost. But what I want to make sure we're all aligned on here, we talked about it on yesterday's live show. I want to talk about it again right now. Prize Picks is doing a giveaway. So there's going to be a link in the description to this live show and to this one-off video that you just watched. And it's going to essentially have a Google form for you to fill out. And you fill it out with your email that's linked to your prize picks account. And whenever you fill it out, we're going to select at random a couple of, or I believe it's maybe one or two emails. I'll have to double check on that. Bottom line, we're going to, you, you have a chance to win a five pick flex play to win up to $1,000. So essentially it's a free play for a five pick flex play to win up to $1,000. So Make sure you get those in. Again, that link is in the description to this video and to this live show. Make sure you're dialed in there. Prize Picks bringing you the hard count. Also, Prize Picks, just to make sure we're all on the same page here, they do a phenomenal job enhancing your viewing experience. Free play, obviously, is on the table here with that, but daily fantasy. So if you want to have some free play without the potential to, or outside of just even what I've talked about right now with that whole potential to play that five pick flex play, free play. A lot of words play there, but you catch my drift. Make sure you use code JD. Whenever you sign up, 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. 
So speaking of pre, a free play, if you put in 20 bucks when you sign up, they'll match you with 20 bucks of free play. All right. So prize picks again, make sure you're dialed in there. Redeem code JD, no periods there, just JD, and they will uh, make sure you're set up. All right. With that out of the way, now let's move right along here. Let's talk about the upset forecast for week 10 of the college football season. A lot of sneaky ones here. I don't know if there's any that are jumping out and that are like, hey, red alert, upset, upset, upset. But there's, it's always the quiet ones. Always the quiet ones because we've got, we got a lot of big time matchups here, a lot of blockbusters. But underneath the surface, you know, somewhere else across the slate, there's going to be some, some upsets. So where might they be? The first place I'm looking is Penn State at Maryland. Maryland's an eight and a half point dog. Penn State last week now. They don't look great against Indiana. And you kind of attribute that to the way that they played Ohio State tough the week before. And maybe they're out of gas. Like, my question is, have they refueled? Have they filled that gas tank back up? Because if they haven't, Maryland is going to score points. They're averaging over 30 a game right now. And Penn State hosts Michigan next week. So you're not, you don't have the luxury now to look ahead because with, Penn, with, with, with Maryland, what they have within this offense, with Talia Tagovailoa playing quarterback for them, he's what, I like, he's what I like to call a game plan breaker. Meaning when you have a dual threat quarterback who can run, who can pass, anytime he gets out on the edge and he kind of breaks contain, it's a new play, if you will, you better be on your P's and Q's and make sure you're plastering to your receiver on the back. And because if you don't, you try and come up and tackle him, it's going to throw it over your head. And if you try and turn your back and just stick to your man, he's going to run for a first down. So he kind of puts you between a rock and a hard place there, just Talia Tagovailoa. They also just had a bad loss to Northwestern. Backed into a corner are the Terps right now. Nothing more dangerous than a Terp backed into a corner. He's going to find his way to fight out. So keep an eye on that one. Again, eight and a half point dog. We'll see. Penn State better find a way to generate some offensive juice because if they don't, Maryland's going to make that very, very interesting. Uh, here's another one right down the road from us. Auburn at Vanderbilt. A little homecoming special for the boys at Vandy, huh? 12 and a half point dog at the crib. Now, speaking of generating offense, Auburn, they've had some issues now. Now, they beat Mississippi State last week. That's a great win. But November of last year is when the Commodores got to work. Beat Kentucky, beat Florida. I wonder what they have up, you know, what they have up their sleeve uh, for this November. Now, I would also say this, this is my real concern when it comes to like the upset factor here. Young teams, and I mean young in the sense of they haven't been together for a very long time with this staff and all the transfer portal pieces. There's a tendency there to take your eye off the ball and not treat every single team the same. And we're, we're all aligned here. Like Vanderbilt, I think Clark Lee's doing some great stuff over there. They may not have the same attention of Auburn as maybe a Alabama would. I think that's fair to say. So, if Will Shepard, the receiver for Vanderbilt, is able to go in this game, last I checked, he was questionable. If he plays in this game, he's one of those players that's good enough to take over the whole game. That's how good he is. Keep an eye on this one. If Auburn wants to kind of sleepwalk their way into Nashville, they see the construction and it's Vanderbilt and all these different narratives going through their head, Vanderbilt is sneaky enough and gritty enough, and I think at some spots talented enough to make it very, very interesting. So keep that one on your radar when it comes to the upset forecast. Now, we went deep in the bag for this next upset forecast. Jacksonville State, the Gamecocks, baby, playing guess who? The South Carolina Gamecocks. So we got the Gamecock Bowl, plus 15.5 is Jacksonville State. South Carolina, big effort against AM. We talk about this a lot with college football teams as a whole, like, Sometimes you give a great effort the week before, you trot out there and you find out, hey, fuel level's a little bit low. 
Is South Carolina all the way dialed in, or are they seeing Jacksonville State and saying, oh, thank goodness, we're glad to see you here? I don't know, but Jacksonville State, uh, they do a phenomenal job taking it away. They're averaging almost two takeaways a game. Now, Spencer Rattler, God bless him, he's been great recently in terms of taking care of the football throughout the course of this season, but you've seen it now a couple times. You've seen he tries to make something happen that's not there. To be honest, it's pretty much been the Spencer Rattler effort this entire season offensively for South Carolina. They've had some other guys step up. Xavier Leggett obviously deserves a ton of credit. I'm sure they, they would love to have Juice Wells the entirety of this season, but Spencer Rattler's kind of been the guy to, to make this all happen for South Carolina. That's a lot of weight on your shoulders. When you feel weight on your shoulders, you try and overextend. If you overextend and turn the ball over, well, then we're watching the ticker and saying, turn on Jacksonville State right now. You're going through Twitter and saying, or, and seeing me tweet, uh, emergency TV channel change alert. Jacksonville State, South Carolina is tied going into the fourth quarter. That's a reality that could be possible. I'm not predicting it. I'm just saying there's a formula here. There's a scenario where that could be the case. Now, this was one that I wasn't sure I wanted to put on here when it came to the upset forecast. Like, I really went back and forth on this one. And so we're going to ride the fence here as much as humanly possible. But it's Florida State at Pitt. And the note that I have here is I wonder about this game. So I don't know if it's on the upset forecast. It's probably, if, if you're treating it like a weather forecast, it's probably one of those clouds that's way off in the distance. Uh, I think the verb, or the, not the verb, the word they use is cells. One of those cells way off in the different, uh, on the distance you're, and you're checking it out. Uh, we've seen Pitt be scrappy. Now, were they scrappy last week against Notre Dame? Uh, absolutely not. But they beat a good Louisville team. And I think Pat Narduzzi is one of the, more underrated coaches in college football. But the reason why I'm so hesitant to really lean towards Pitt as making a real upset effort is Pat Narduzzi, I don't think, did anything to endear the locker room to him last week when he talked about, you know, as a, foot, as a, as a college football head coach, you lose good players and we, you know, we think we're going to replace those good players and we haven't done a good job doing that. Now, if you check the Twitter sphere when it came to Pitt football players, they were not having any of that. A lot of quote tweets. A lot of, are you kidding me? A lot of me, is this serious? A lot of me, nah, did I read that right? Like, that was kind of the sentiment, the spirit of what was the response to Pat Narduzzi's postgame press conference. Uh, so we'll see where they're at. We'll see where they're at as a locker room. But again, just as, as a pure football team and the way that they've played at this point in the year outside of that Notre Dame game, I think they're sneaky. Very, very sneaky, very, very gritty. And the thing with Florida State, too, as talented as they are, as high as I am on Florida State, I wonder just a little bit, if they're not going to play down to their competition like we've seen them do at times this season. The big thing for Florida State in this game, can they run the football? Pitt, a three-touchdown dog in Pittsburgh, we'll see. Again, I probably don't feel strongly enough about this game to really say, hey, watch this one for an upset. But it's something that I just thought we should throw out there by nature of what we've seen uh, Florida State do and what we've seen Pitt do uh, to this point in the year. So that's kind of the upset forecast, if you will, to this point when it comes to Week 10. It's always going to be somewhere across the slate. It's a matter of where can we find them. We've been pretty good this year about having a, a gauge for the upset forecast, but Week 10 should be no different. If it's not these games, it'll be somewhere across your Saturday. We love them for that. We love them for that. We love the fact that every single Saturday, you're going to find someone getting beat somewhere where they shouldn't. Hey, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you've liked the video. Little thumbs up icon under the video. We'll get over 100 likes. College football is about tradition. We're about tradition on here. And one of our traditions is over 100 likes before we get off the air. And y'all have every single time knocked that out of the parks. We appreciate y'all so much in advance for that. Now, speaking of tradition, 
It's a sad thing. It's a very, very sad thing because we got Bedlam for the last time as a Big 12 conference game. Oklahoma going to Stillwater, Oklahoma should be in electric atmosphere in every sense of the phrase. They're favored by six and a half, 3.30 Eastern, ABC. You wish it was a night game just for the pure pageantry of it all. And we've all seen Stillwater, Oklahoma, and the way that stadium is set up to where they're slapping the side of the stadium with the paddles. They're pretty much on top of the opposing sideline. A lot of people go in there. Not many teams come out undefeated. Now, Oklahoma, they're not undefeated going in there. They already have a loss based on what happened last week against Kansas. So for Oklahoma, my question for them is, can they sort of restabilize this operation? Where are they at psychologically? Still have a lot to play for. Still have your Big 12 title hopes very much so intact, but you got to handle business. Now, you lost your mulligan last week against Kansas. Stormed the field in Lawrence. It was, it was not a good sight. How do they handle it? How do they respond? Because again, this is still a team that's only in year two under Brent Venables. It's going to take a lot of good leadership within that locker room to have that bounce back. Now, for Oklahoma State, we talked about the, the Big 12 title hopes for Oklahoma. Oklahoma State's thinking Big 12 title as well. I mean, don't look now, but the Pokes are very much so in the race for this thing. And Ollie Gordon, their running back, is very much so in the Heisman conversation when it comes to Week 10 of the college football season. So the other part of this that we can't ignore, you don't think Oklahoma State would love to send Oklahoma out of the conference with an L? I promise you, everyone in Stillwater, Oklahoma, would be a fan of that. Mike Gundy, you know he would relish that. I promise you he would be phenomenal for a great soundbite postgame if they do beat Oklahoma. So, I hope we get the soundbite. But even with that being said, I'm excited to see what Oklahoma does because I think Oklahoma, Brent Venables, will have a great soundbite afterwards as well. So, I'm, I'm eager to see that one too. So, with that being said, what does this game come down to? For me, the obvious is Ollie Gordon against that Oklahoma trenches. Because Oklahoma last week, they allowed 200 yards rushing against Kansas. Y'all, that's not good. That's not going to cut against Ollie Gordon because he's been putting up road to glory numbers. Like Tecmo Bowl numbers, he had 282 yards and 271 yards rushing the last two games. That is freakish. If Oklahoma State is able to run the football even a version of that or be somewhere near what Kansas did that's going to be able to control the tempo of this game. And think about this too, with how quickly Jeff Levy wants to operate offensively for Oklahoma, how much they want to just push the pedal forward. If you push the pedal forward and have some trouble early on in this game, you could very much so be in a situation where you run three plays and you only take them 30 seconds off the clock. A run and two incompletions, you're three and out, you're off the field, and the ball goes back to Oklahoma State. And with Ollie Gordon, the way he's running the football, they're not a run-first team necessarily by nature of what they've done over the course of the year, but you'd have to imagine with the crowd at their back, with how quickly Oklahoma wants to go, with what Oklahoma can do offensively, if Oklahoma State can control the tempo of this game and have Ollie Gordon be the impact player of this game, that would change the entire complexion of what Oklahoma is able to do and what they have to do offensively. Now, if you're able to kind of neutralize Ollie Gordon, let's change that word from neutralize to manage. Because I think neutralizing a dude who's been over three, almost over 300 yards uh, the last two weeks is a little bit ambitious. If you can just manage him, if you can force Oklahoma State to be in a situation where Alan Bowman has to consistently throw the football to beat you, then I think you give yourself a chance. Because we've seen Oklahoma now. They want to be aggressive. They want to dial it up and get after the passer. If they can make it a game like that, it'll start with stopping Ollie Gordon on early downs. Very big if, very tall order. But that, I think, is what it's going to take when it comes to Oklahoma winning this football game. So, other question we got to ask here, what's the rhythm like for Oklahoma's offense here with Dylan Gabriel? Because I wonder if Kansas, 
then it may be provide a solid blueprint for Oklahoma State in this game. Now, Oklahoma State hasn't been phenomenal defensively to this point in the year, but Kansas did a great job last week of being really physical with these Oklahoma pass catchers. And I understand the elements probably played a factor in it as well with Dylan Gabriel being able to consistently distribute the football accurately. We all understand that. But at the same time, Oklahoma's offense is built on rhythm. They want to run the football. They want to get lateral on you, and they want to be able to work that quick game. And once they get that quick game working, once they get your defense off balance, then they take shots. Then they push the ball downfield. Oklahoma last week against Kansas really struggled to find that rhythm because on the perimeter, Kansas's defensive backs were really physical. Now, Kansas's DBs, I think, are probably better than what Oklahoma State has in the secondary. But if you're going to be physical and kind of throw them off their rhythm within the play, if I'm Dylan Gabriel and I drop back and I think I have a hitch route coming at, let's say, five to six yards, but he gets jammed and, and I hit my step where I'm about to throw the football and he's only at three, still trying to get out of his break and fight through contact, well, then I got to get off that read and I have to go somewhere else, meaning plan A is not there. Textbook, the rhythm of that play is destroyed. So how does Oklahoma State handle that? Because we talk about this a lot whenever you want to play physical on the outside. It's classic risk it in exchange for a biscuit situation. Because if you swing and miss, there's a whole lot of real estate behind you. And then you end up on a Coach 30 video, like we've talked about on this show before. You don't want to have that happen if you're Oklahoma State. I think you really miss Andrew Anthony here if you're Oklahoma. So who is it that steps up? Nick Anderson, obviously, is a guy that's been balling for Oklahoma. Drake Stoops, I think, has to have a big game in the slot for them. Creating that rhythm is going to be crucial. Because if you can't create that rhythm, then you're staring right in the face of what we talked about a second ago with Oklahoma State controlling the tempo, being able to run the football. And Oklahoma fans, too, throughout the course of this past week, based on what happened against Kansas, they'd like to see Dylan Gabriel push the ball downfield a little bit more. And they're probably looking at Jeff Levy saying, hey, let's be a little more aggressive here. So I'm not going to question play calling. I'm just telling you, if Oklahoma pushed the ball downfield a little bit more, that would make the good people in Norman, Oklahoma happy. I also think it kind of puts Oklahoma State on their heels. So something to watch for there. If they do create rhythm and are able to push the ball downfield, that could kind of be the, the spark that sets this whole thing off. Now, my ultimate question when it comes down to this whole thing, where is Oklahoma at psychologically? And psychologically is maybe even a bit of a stretch, but where's Oklahoma at when it comes to the gas in the tank? Because I think after the Texas game, we've, we saw after that bye week, the way they played UCF, a little bit of pressure, a little bit of you know strain, it seemed like they felt. You wonder if maybe the weight of perfection was weighing on them just a little bit too much in their second year under Brent Venables. And now without that weight, now having gotten your first loss, one side could argue, well, J.D., that weight of perfection is dialed up a notch. They're in fight or flight mode. They can't lose another ball game and expect to make the college football playoff. And they got Big 12 title hopes they want to achieve. Like, maybe that pressure is dialed up. Maybe so. But also, I wonder if maybe there's a sense of urgency that's created from having that kind of loss. Because to be real, like, Oklahoma, I mean, Kansas played phenomenal. I don't want to take anything away from Kansas. But Oklahoma has a better roster than what Kansas had. Now, Kansas played better on that day. They won the football game. You can't take anything away from Lance Leipold and company. But Oklahoma is a better operation, top to bottom, talent-wise, than Kansas. So what does that go back to? It goes back to internal temperature. And I know they're dinged up across the board defensively. And you hope that you know everyone that's questionable is able to go if you're a Sooner fan. But like, I wonder if maybe there isn't a little bit of a, okay, look around. We're in the foxhole, boys. We're in the foxhole. The good news for Oklahoma, they're used to being in the foxhole. They were in the foxhole this entire offseason with everyone talking about Brent Venables. Is he the right guy? They're 6-7. and seven. They lost 
five games by one score. Who's Oklahoma like? I still think this is a really talented football team, like I've already communicated to you a couple times, and I think they're going to get up off the mat in this game. I think the leadership in that locker room is too strong. I think they are too battle-tested, and I think they're going to do a lot to correct some of the mistakes we've seen previously, defensively at least. Keep an eye on the misdirection for Oklahoma State because that really is something that Oklahoma struggled with throughout the course of the season from the UCF game to the Kansas game, all that pre-snap movement. Keep an eye on that. But even so, I think Oklahoma offensively is able to get rhythm in the pass game. I think Drake Stoops has a big day being that guy that creates rhythm in the short game. And then Nick Anderson does what he does going vertical. I think Oklahoma ends up winning this football game. Final score, 34-27. So with that being said, Brent Venables in Oklahoma, keeping their college football playoff hopes alive, keeping their Big 12 title hopes alive, and just survive another week to see and fight and keep on rolling for what they have aspired to to this point in the year. So that'll be a lot of fun. Make sure you're dialed in for that one. I cannot wait. Cannot wait for that one. That'll be a good time. Appreciate y'all being dialed in. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you are following us on all the shows, on all the social platforms, at JD Pacquiao on Twitter, as well as on Instagram. All right. So we got the college football playoff rankings on Tuesday night. Happy Halloween. For those of y'all that were trick-or-treating, you probably saw the rankings. And if you didn't see the rankings during your trick-or-treating hours, you saw them after the fact. And we all talked about the top six. We gave you our thoughts on the top six, the path, the edge forward. Those are probably going to be, you know, the, the leaders in the clubhouse, obviously. A lot of those teams control their own destiny. But what about the teams that are on the outside looking in? Maybe sitting at number 10, maybe maybe sitting just outside the top 10 that have a chance now to find their way into the college football playoff. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that all these teams control their own destiny, but I think a fair amount of them do. So I want to go through a couple of these teams here that, that could very well find themselves in the dance, and the first of which being Missouri Tigers. Now, they have the domino that they have to knock over this week at Georgia because Georgia's the number two team in the country, and then after that, they have Tennessee. So hopefully... Tennessee will still be ranked if you're Missouri. But if you beat Georgia and you beat a ranked Tennessee and your only loss is like in the final seconds against a ranked LSU, and we'll see how that LSU loss ages. If they're a one-loss SEC champ, and let's say they beat a top five Alabama in the SEC title game, I understand there's a lot that would have to happen here. I understand that Eli Drinkwitz and Luther Burden and Brady Cook, they, like they would all have to dig deep and find a way to get it done. But I'm just saying there is a path here for Missouri to where if they're a one-loss SEC champ with wins over Georgia, wins over Tennessee, wins over Alabama, I think you pretty much delete that loss against LSU from the hard drive and say, yeah, Missouri at this point in time, they're a top-four team in the country. Can you imagine a world where it comes to Selection Sunday and a one-loss SEC champ is Missouri and we already know they're going to make it in? Can you imagine what that would be like juxtaposed to the conversation around Eli Drinkwitz prior to the season? And to be real with y'all, I mean, this is on me because we should have known that they were going to be good this year by nature of how Eli Drinkwitz pulled up. Gold, I believe they were like Nike Dunks. And when I say gold, I don't mean like they were like a matte gold. I mean, they were like chrome gold. Dude was, was looking good, all right? I'm just saying he was dressed for success, and we should have known that prior to this season. But Missouri, I would go so far as to say I think they control their own destiny when it comes to the college football playoff. Another team we got to talk about here in the ACC, how about Louisville? Don't look now, but Louisville, they only have one loss. And they have a top 10 win 
over Notre Dame, and they have another ranked win over Duke. A one-loss ACC champion, Louisville, if it were to be Florida State, if they give Florida State their only loss of the season, at that point in time, Florida State, you would imagine, is still probably top four in the country, if not higher. That's two top ten wins and three ranked wins for Louisville. I don't see how you leave them out. I don't see how you would leave out the Brom squad, man. So I think what they did really, really well was do some of that heavy lifting early on. They're at number 13 right now in the college football playoff rankings. I'm just saying keep an eye on them because I think similar to Missouri, it feels a lot like they control their own destiny. I mean, if you had four other undefeated conference champions, I suppose you'd leave out Missouri and you'd leave out Louisville in that point with them both having a loss. But I think the odds of that happening are pretty unlikely. So keep an eye on uh, Jack Harlow and the boys down there in the Ville. I think they have a very real chance by nature of their resume and by nature of this thing essentially looking like a crash course towards them playing a top four Florida State team. If they get there with one loss and they can beat them, it's going to be hard to keep out. It's going to be very, very hard to keep out. Now, this is a team that I, was, I wasn't even sure we should include them because they're sitting at number 10 and it's Ole Miss, but they're at number 10. They're not sitting within the top six. They're not sitting ahead of Alabama, obviously, because they did not beat Alabama. But with that being their only loss, same thing we talked about with with Missouri. Like, if if that is their only loss, if they have one loss to a good SEC team, and they they have uh, Alabama, excuse me, their best win, obviously, is over LSU, and then they play Georgia next week. And if their only loss is to Bama and they beat both those teams... I don't know. We'll keep an eye on this thing and how that shakes out because I understand that you probably need Alabama to help you out a little bit here to find yourself to the SEC title game. But let's say this. Let's say Ole Miss does, in fact, find their way to Atlanta by nature of how things shake out. If they beat Georgia twice, if they beat Georgia twice, I don't know how you leave out Lane Kiffin and the boys because everything we asked of Ole Miss going into this season, they have done. Hey, improve your defense. For the most part, they've done that with the exception of the LSU game. They're giving up right around 23 points a game. That's improvement structurally. When you watch Ole Miss on the field, forget the box score, they look like a better defense. We asked for Jackson Dart to step it up. He's done that. He was like two to one touchdown interception ratio a season ago. Right now, he is dealing it. He's running that offense with ownership. And Ole Miss is scoring a lot of points because of it. I understand it's it's not necessarily like the most probable path but I do think Ole Miss just sitting there with one loss that game against Georgia will be very impactful and uh, obviously they're keeping an eye on that Alabama LSU game as well now speaking of LSU with their loss being to Ole Miss and that loss continues to age well and their other loss being to Florida State you wonder where the committee would put them if they got some chaos because we've never seen a two-loss team in the college football playoff But look at just how much meat is on the bone here for LSU the rest of the schedule. Let's say they beat Alabama, and let's say they beat Georgia in the SEC title game. You probably need a Pac-12 champ to have two losses, and you probably need a Big 12 champ to have two losses. But if you're an SEC loss, or if you're an SEC champ with two losses, and it's LSU with wins over a top five team, uh, rather, yeah, a top five team in Georgia and Uh, I guess top three team in Georgia, likely. And then uh, over a top 10 win over Alabama, and your only loss is to a top four team LSU and a really good Ole Miss team that continues to trend the right way. Like, I'm just saying, I think LSU has the resume at this point in time to at least make it a conversation if there were to be some other two lost conference champs. So they don't control their own destiny. We're not saying that, but I am saying there is a path here for LSU to find their way to the college football playoff. Is it likely? Probably not. 
History says it's impossible. But someone's got to make history. Might as well be LSU. So a lot of SEC juice there by nature of the way these schedules are backloaded and by nature of potentially playing a Georgia in the SEC title game. If it's Ole Miss, maybe you play them twice. But uh, yeah, it's... It's going to be fun now. In November, this is going to be a phenomenal stretch here when it comes to the college football landscape, and I cannot wait to watch the finish. We think we know how it's going to shake out right now. We always think going into November, yep, no problem. Nice and neat. We know how this thing's going to go. We know who's going to be in the college football playoff, and then every single selection Sunday, it's very, very different than what that first rankings look like more often than not. All right, appreciate everybody tuned in live. Hey, if you could like the video real quick, we would appreciate that tremendously. Uh, We got... Some final thoughts to get to here when it comes to week 10 of the college football season. Every single Thursday we do this. We do our prediction show on Tuesday. So if you are new to the show, welcome. That's when we do our predictions for games. But we do our predictions for what's going to happen in the games when it comes to our Thursday show. So a couple final thoughts here across the board I want to get to. And uh, I want to start with Georgia. Because Georgia, we talk about it a lot on here. They're kind of finding their stride. It feels like they're playing their best football right now. And it's weird because they just lost their best player in Brock Bowers. He's not in the lineup right now. So obviously, you got to have more guys step up. And I think by nature of what Missouri does defensively, I think the Lad McConkey Good Vibes Tour is going to continue. He was dinged up early in the year. He's finding his stride at just the right time for this Georgia offense. Played great against Florida last week, over 100 yards receiving. By nature of what Missouri does defensively, with how physical they want to play with the wide receivers on the outside, and by nature of where you can line Ladd McConkey up in this offense, I think he's too quick for how physical they want to play. I think they're going to swing and miss at him, and I think he has a big day receiving. Carson Beck knows where to go with the football. Translation, if Ladd McConkey gets open and wins his matchup, which I expect him to do pretty frequently, with how quick he is, they're going to make sure they feed 84. And again, I think he's stepping up even more and becoming more of a focal point in this offense with his experience at Georgia with no Brock Bowers. They trust him. They showed that last week. They'll show it again this week. Uh, Lad McConkey, go ahead and, and rock with him when it comes to uh, any potential prize picks plays that could be out there. Now, Alabama. This is a chance for them to really redeem that Texas game. And when I say redeem that Texas game, I mean specifically when it comes to Jalen Milrow. Think about the, the way that we talked about Jalen Milrow after that game. Good athlete, but makes the big mistake. Good athlete, but too many turnovers. And that was true. To this point, to that point, at least in his career, that was kind of the story on Jalen Milrow. The AM game last year. I think after that Texas game, it knocked him back into the negative. And what I mean by that is I think it was consistently a climb back for him. I don't know if it was internal with that coaching staff and the trust of Nick Saban, but I think it was probably for him a proving it to himself kind of climb back to getting to neutral. And I think he's done that to this point. But if he can go out and play phenomenal against LSU, that could be the the spark that sets it off for Jalen Milrow the rest of the way. And what I mean by that is we could see a totally different Jalen Milrow the rest of the season by nature of how he plays against LSU. This is a big confidence-boosting opportunity because we all understand this now in this game against LSU. Like, they probably have to score some points. With Jaden Daniels on the other sideline, who we'll talk about here in just a second, it can't be a thing where you score 24 and win the ballgame. It's just, it's not the way this thing is going to shake out. So they're going to ask more of Jalen Milrow, and I think Jalen Milrow will, will answer that call to action. So I'm excited to watch him play again. I think it's a big redemption moment for him by nature of what he's had to go through to this point in his career and uh, what he went through in week two. Now, with LSU, there's two thoughts I have. 
The first of which being, if LSU beats Alabama, I think you probably pencil in Jaden Daniels' name on the Heisman Trophy. Like, I, I think if they're going to beat Alabama, they probably have to score 40-plus. And you would imagine Jaden Daniels plays a pretty large part in that. I think it takes Jaden Daniels' best day in Tuscaloosa to win. But if they get that from him, talk about a Heisman moment. By nature of the stage, college game day is there. It's in Tuscaloosa. It's a night game. I mean, it's, it is the game of the weekend. Like, at this point in the year, too, in November, I think this kind of could be that spot where he plants the flag and says, nope, go ahead and put my name on that thing. And I don't care if LSU is a college football playoff team or not. Similar to last year with what Caleb Williams did, I just think he has put too much out there on tape to make a case against him being the Heisman Trophy winner if they do find a way to get it done in Tuscaloosa. Now, the other thought I have on this game, if you don't cut Harold Perkins loose in this game against Alabama, we talk so much about his big playability, he can wreak havoc, he can take over a game, like we haven't really seen him do that to this point. Some of that you wonder, is that Harold Perkins? Some of that you wonder, is, is that Matt House? I don't know, but this has to be the spot. Because Jalen Milrow, we talk about how much he could hurt you with, the, with his legs. That's going to be on Harold Perkins to help minimize that. You would expect by nature of how LSU has utilized him in the past. This has to be the game where you say, Harold Perkins, go hunt. Go win us this ball game. Because the way that Alabama really hurts you is pushing the football downfield. Those are longer developing plays. Meaning Harold Perkins is going to have one or two Mississippis to get after Jalen Milrow. You're not great on the back end. You're dinged up in the back end. If that weren't to make matters worse with what they've done when they're healthy in the back end, which isn't great to begin with. You need to create pressure on Jalen Milrow, and I look right at Harold Perkins to make that happen. Now, USC, they welcome Washington to the Coliseum this week. And regardless of what Vegas tells us about this game, I believe Washington, at last glance, they were a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, USC, just historically, regardless of head coach, just a little bit of of Coliseum magic. They find a way every single late October, November, to steal a game like this and spoil somebody's BCS hopes at one point in time, and now it's college football playoff hopes. I wouldn't be so sure that this USC team is about to just roll over and play dead. Because that kind of feels like the way they're being talked about right now is Michael Penix Jr. and Roma Dunze and how talented they are on the uh, the wide receiver position. Like When I look at the styles of this game, I actually think that there's a very real path, a pretty wide path actually, for USC to get it done. Because what USC does best is score. You're saying J.D. Washington scores a lot too. Yes, I understand that, but they don't defend very well. Neither does USC, but especially against the pass. Washington struggles, allowing 246 pass yards a game, good for 110th in the country. Caleb Williams, with how much of a just freak show he is, the the potential he has to take over any and every game that he's a part of, it's probably going to take his very best effort. I don't pretend to say that USC is somehow going to you know, press forward and turn it on here and make the Pac-12 title game, but they got a chance. They got a pulse. And as competitive as Caleb Williams is, for all the things said negative about what he, you know, does with different things around, you know, the the body language and all that. And we've talked about that here. Dude's competitive. Dude wants to win. And I think that sounds simplistic as a statement, but I think we're going to see in this game just the way that he empties the tank is going to be something to watch. So I'm not calling, I'm not calling USC to win the game. We actually already picked Washington. But I think it's a lot closer than maybe some people think. And I think USC, uh, if they were to win that game, let's put it this way, we would not be surprised in the slightest. Last thing I want to touch on here before we finish up our final thoughts. There's a, there's a very real chance we see Arch Manning in the game this weekend for Texas. 
Just got a feeling on it. Malik Murphy, I think he's played well to this point. But you wonder if they don't give Arch Manning a couple snaps against Kansas State. Now, what situations? No idea. We'll see. But what I want to make sure we guard against and what I want to make sure we talk about before we get to that game, anytime Arch Manning has a negative play out there, there is going to be so many what I like to call Twitter quarterbacks that will jump on their phone, jump on the keyboard and say, told you he wasn't any good. I want us to make sure we, we mute those people. If you want to block them, block them. I don't really tend to block too many people on Twitter, just kind of by nature of how I operate on that platform. I want to make sure we don't give in to the Twitter quarterbacks that say Arch Manning is no good once he throws his first incompletion. Because the reality is, whenever somebody has a recognizable last name, people like to be quick to say, ha, told you so. Because they think it makes them like a free thinker or they're zigging when everybody else is zagging, they're not following the crowd. Whatever kind of label you want to put to it, people like to be different. And they like to say that Arch Manning isn't really that good. Well, by nature of all the recruiting services, Arch Manning's pretty good. And if you don't believe those, that's fine. But I promise you, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, they wanted Arch Manning on their football team. And those are not two cats that would waste their own time, especially recruiting a quarterback. So how he plays this weekend, I have no prediction on it. But let's not define somebody as a freshman. That just makes no sense. So those are our final thoughts for week 10. Let the games begin. Can't wait to watch that. Now, we're about to go to the, to the keeper of the queue, Nick Brake. But actually, I want, to, uh, I want to do a quick ad read. So, Nick, the ad read here is actually to my left off camera. Let's go to a one shot of you while I grab that. And I'll tell people about game time. Sound good? Yeah, that, right that works. How about that? A little, little bit of movie magic. What do you say? You guys, uh, you can hear me? Live and living color. Yeah, I can even give a tour of my uh, lovely facility. Man, go ahead, JD. I'm, I'm on the screen. Uh, Tell the people a little bit about your kickball game in a one shot, and we'll uh, <laughs> and we'll we'll be back with uh, with a quick ad read. Sound good? Yeah, I had a couple people asking me about the game. It it didn't go well. Um, we lost ten six. Season's over. Uh, it's a little bit of pain, but uh, listen, guys, six wins this season. We only lost two games. We lost ten in the last two seasons combined. So JD, you know what, man? I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna be. You know, it, it's all good. I you, just you still hung a banner. Yeah, we hung a banner. I just want to progress next year. I don't want this to be a fluke. I want to be the team that builds on this and we go win next season. So. Well, I mean, hey, national signing day is around the corner. Y'all have a chance <laughs> to go acquire some talent. The transfer portal, I imagine, y'all will utilize that as you, yep. you know, as any good team would. But we, we salary cap's gonna hit us hard this offseason, man. Ooh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we gotta get some more donors then. We gotta yeah. get the boosters involved, we gotta get the collective involved, and we'll find a way to, to uh yeah, you know what, to, actually, to boost that. hey, donors in the chat, I know OG Gary is a big fan <laughs> of Big Kick Energy, um, so is um, Evan, uh, Tanner, I think, so you guys, if you ever want to invest in BKE, then just let me know. We got a good group, man. We got a very good group. <laughs> hey, Nick, I appreciate you doing that. We're going to go to your questions here in just a quick second, so we have about 60 seconds. Get all your questions into the live chat right now as I do this ad read want to tell you all about game time because game time is bringing you the hard count today and we appreciate them doing so there's a lot of big games on the slate this weekend you got lsu alabama you got texas kansas state heck next weekend you got michigan going to penn state the bottom line is you're going to want to be at those games don't be that guy or that gal that you're talking with your friends about your plans for the weekend and they're all like oh we're going to the game and you're like oh i couldn't get tickets let's not do that let's utilize game time they're the best way to safely, quickly, 
and efficiently and financially responsible way to get tickets. You should not have to worry about buying tickets. All right. You should not have to stress about that months in advance. Wait right up to the day of the event even. And Game Time has got you covered. Okay. So you can you can utilize Game Time for anything from concerts to college football games to comedy events. They've got it all. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind when you purchase. All right. The best part about this is they show the all in prices total to you up front. I say the best part, it's one of the best parts, all right? There's also the fact that you can see the view from your seat before you even purchase it. It's not going to be something where you show up and then, oh, wouldn't you know it, Jumbotron blocking your entire view of the game. Not the way that Game Time operates. Again, you can see the view from your seat before you purchase. And again, they are obsessed with helping you save money. I said it a second ago. They are one of the most financially responsible ways to purchase tickets, in that if you find a seat in the same row and section of your seat for less, Game Time credits you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. This is important now. Create an account. Third step is big. Use code HARDCOUNT for $20 off your first purchase. First time using the app, find an $80 ticket, knock $20 off that bad boy, make it a $60 ticket. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code HARDCOUNT, H-A-R-D-C-O-U-N-T, for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Now, Nick, I actually lied. We got one, we got one more uh, ad read to get to. What do you say? Uh, yeah, I just got to get rid of this whole graphic here. We're good to go, man. Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal. Y'all, we're getting to those questions here in just a second. One more ad read, and we'll be off to the races. All right. The hard count is also brought to you today by Bird Dogs. Now, we're moving into what I like to call frosty windshield season. Check the temperature when you wake up. It's 30 degrees. Maybe it's, maybe it's 40s for some of our friends in the Northeast. We're with you probably right around 20s. The bottom line is we are no longer in shorts-wearing season. Now, bird dogs, they were great to us during shorts-wearing season. So as we transition out of it now, we're probably wearing something else, right? Wrong. Bird dogs, they got shorts, yes. They got great joggers. They got comfortable pants you can wear for work. So you can, one, look good because that's the way the bird dog operates, all right? They're going to make sure that they have the best styles. It's not something where you walk out there and you're sacrificing comfort for, for the way that you look. And you look, you just roll out of bed wearing something that just looks like you found it off the clearance rack. It's not bird dogs, okay? They're going to take care of you in that sense with how you look. Also making a great purchase with how you feel using bird dogs, okay? Like I promise you, you will walk out there and you will feel like you are wearing something you could go work out in whenever you go to work. You could, you could probably squat in the khakis that they allow you to purchase via Bird Dogs. So go ahead and redeem code JD at checkout with birddogs.com and receive a free hydro flask style water bottle. So again, code JD, birddogs.com. We're out of shorts wearing season. We're into pants wearing season. And Bird Dogs is the operation that we're trusting to move into the fall and winter season. So we appreciate them. We appreciate y'all rocking with them. All right, now here we go. Keeper of the queue, Nick Brake. We're back in action, baby. Hey, big play by you there. Big play by you there. We got the ad read off to the side. Fumble on my part. We pick it up, scoop and score, and you're just making plays. Uh, let's get right to it, man. What's what's going on in the chat? Um, well, I do owe uh, Evan go forth a question. I messed it up yesterday. Uh, do you think it's possible that the college football playoff will end this season, the 14 format, with the same teams that were in the original playoff in 2014, Alabama, OSU, Oregon, Florida State. What are the chances, JD? It's possible. I'm, I, I just I look at Georgia, man, and I'm like, I cannot bet against Georgia at this point because I think they're getting better every single week. 
I like Alabama. I really do. But if they were to play in Atlanta tomorrow, I would probably take Georgia. I'd probably take them by a touchdown. So I like Alabama a lot. I think they're trending in a positive way as well. Um, I like Oregon to make the playoff. I like Florida State to make the playoff. Ohio State, I'm not so sure about either. I think Michigan is is still the team to beat in that conference. So I would probably swap uh, Alabama and Ohio State for Georgia and Michigan. But I, I would say if I had to, if I had to bet on the the number of teams from that original four three i could see four probably a little bit of a stretch ohio state could still find their way in i think but i still like michigan jay a lot of questions so i'm gonna get to them pretty quick i love um i guess larry bird's in the chat because this one's coming from white boy magic he says jd what do you think about liberty in the path to the new year six bowl since they are undefeated group of five team along with air force and james madison and why are the why are they not mentioned uh as much as the other two are you sure that wasn't you? Are you sure that's not <laughs> yeah. that's not you right there? No, that one's not me. That's Larry? No. I, Larry Bird? Maybe John Stockton? John Stockton, yeah. Christian McCaffrey? We could keep going there. Uh, regardless, Liberty, I'm pulling up their schedule right now. I think Air Force, I mean, with the way that they're ranked right now, if they keep winning football games, I don't see anything on, on Liberty's schedule that's going to be enough to put them over the hump. Um, you would hope that maybe Air Force drops a game. But even so, like I, I still think Air Force is probably that team from the group of five to find their way in. Uh, also, let's not forget Tulane. Tulane hanging around in that G5 conversation. So Liberty, I like what you got going on. But when it comes to the meat on the bone, I just wonder, I wonder if they have enough to, uh, to get them over the hump and, and be ranked above uh, Air Force. Like typically when those first rankings come out, it kind of feels like they set the, the pace for what it's going to be the rest of the season. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know that there's enough there for them to just jetpack past Air Force with them being behind them right now. JD, Conference USA is not a very good conference right now. It, it just isn't. Uh, so Liberty, I don't think they got a chance of, of that this year. Maybe just next top year. top rope, man. It, it's just not good, dude. But, you, but you're a, but you're a uh, Conference USA alum for those, yeah, that, well, for those that are not aware. Like, I you're covered not CUSA here. for a long time. Um, Covered the uh, the basketball tournament every year. Covered, did stuff like that. It was awesome. It's not like that anymore. It's a great spot. Jacksonville State. Decent. Decent. That's Good. It. Yeah, that's it. La Tech's bad. WKU's bad. The end. Um, this next question. This one. This is something we kind of just talked about, but I'm gonna get back to it. It's M M M M M M says Ash J D. What if LSU beats Bama? Old Miss and Old Miss beats Georgia this weekend. What ha- what happens to the SEC? And Old Miss plays, I guess, next weekend. But yeah, Old Miss and Georgia will play, and that yeah. would be so. If LSU beats Bama and then Old Miss beats Georgia next weekend, what what's the forecast look like in the old SEC? If Ole Miss beats Georgia next weekend, yeah. I mean, I think at that. I mean, at that point, Ole Miss would still be in the driver's seat because they have that win over LSU. Yeah, but Alabama would also have one loss. I mean, it would be one loss. What would it be? What's the one next tiebreaker? One loss across the board. What? what does, if they do it the way the Big Ten does it, and I'm going I'm to tread lightly here, it would be, I believe it's the, the win over your non-divisional opponent. And so I don't, I don't pretend to know what that would be. If Ole Miss, So the way that I'm looking at this, I think Ole Miss controls their own I don't know if it controls their own destiny because Alabama has that win over them. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, that's a great one. To be honest, I don't know. 
I do not know, Nick, but I, I, I do feel like it's going to sort itself out because I don't think Ole Miss is going to beat Georgia next weekend, to be honest with you. Yeah. But if they do, things get dicey. Yeah. Things that, get very, very dicey. Man, that kind of Ole Miss has my, that loss to Bama. Yeah. Hurt my head a little bit thinking about that. Those are that. tricky, man. I don't, yeah. I don't know the answer to that. We'll if someone it. knows immediate tiebreakers in the SEC, uh, send that in the chat. We can get to that in a little bit. Uh, Craig. We'll have to check back. Haven't seen Craig in a while. Good to see you, Craig. Craig's back. Craig's been working. Uh, been away, enjoying Matt Rule's grind lately. <laughs> Hearing the sweet sound of the black shirt helmets and pads pop in the 20-degree Nebraska weather is bliss. Great show, you guys. What hot take do you have this weekend? Craig, I, pr- I appreciate that. Uh, hot take, man. We don't really do hot takes on here. I'm not going to lie to you. That's true. No hot takes. Maybe the take that would be counterintuitive. Hmm. Maybe just a, a, a bold prediction this weekend. Bold prediction? I mean, I feel like USC, I mean, if USC ends up beating Washington, that would not surprise us. Man, I don't know if I, don't know if I look across the slate and see a bunch of, like, hot take material. I don't um, either, JD. Which is, a bad, which is a bad look. Let's, let's go with this. I think Maryland pushes Penn State. They're eight and a half point dogs is, is Maryland. We talked about it earlier in the show. I think they're going to push Penn State. I really do. Okay. I think Talia Tagovailoa is going to generate some offense. They're backed into a corner. Like, I, th- I think Maryland, as hot a take as we could muster at this mm-hmm. point in time, I think they're going to be a team that, uh, that really pushes Penn State. Would not surprise me if they won that one outright, to be honest, and makes this whole conversation Ooh. around the Big Ten and two-team race. Man, for James Franklin's sake, I, they better win because everybody in the chat's always, the Penn State plays nobody, can't beat anybody. Be a half-decent win right they, there. Yeah, I mean, and they would also, I mean, if they if they lose to Maryland, all the, all the ammunition that they need is just loaded up and pointed directly at State College and the Nittany Lions. Like, that would be, that would be brutal. That Dude, would be brutal. Speaking of uh, loaded up, pointed straight at somebody, man, Ed just took a shot at you. Said all of your takes are hot takes, JD. See, but I don't know if he means that in like an no, endearing way, <laughs> or if he's saying that in like, uh, "Hey, this guy has no idea what he's doing." I think you know? it's in a positive way. Ed's a Ed's a very frequent viewer. We appreciate Ed for being dialed in. We appreciate Ed, and we <laughs> appreciate viewer. y'all that are that are in the chat right now. Heck yeah! How's two more questions? I would sound? love that. Nothing um, I, I've been seeing this one a lot, Matthew uh, Caron. Correno, I, I would assume is how you say this, um, was saying earlier that we needed to make sure that all the players on the roster that uh, my kickball team played last night were certified because that's how we won a week ago. Mm. I think they were. Unfortunately, they all had their jerseys on. But anyway, uh, Matthew asked, in your eyes, who are the best or most impactful te- uh, players Excuse me, in college football this season? Maybe n- not your Heisman votes, but just... Most a player, impactful. yeah, who who a team just could not be the same without. I look right at Ohio State. Marvin Harrison Jr., if he, if he didn't play for Ohio State in that game against Penn State, I don't know if they win. And that's not because I think anything less of Ohio State. It just felt like they were two pretty evenly matched teams, and then number 18 was just like, no, I'm, I'm the guy. No, you're going to feed me the rock, and I'm going to take over this game. So I think you got to look right at him. And then Jaden Daniels, what he's done at LSU, that defense is probably – bad enough at this point in time for them to be like an eight and four football team seven and five football team if we're going to be really harsh but Jaden Daniels and the way that he's taken not just the next step but like the second and third step for that LSU team unreal unreal in every sense and I mean I think those are the two most impactful which happen to be in line with the Heisman Trophy so that's kind of a cop-out but I mean I think it's it's absolutely fair to say those are the two most impactful JD um got some love in the chat from Ed just hey, I appreciate you, JD. It, Ed. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Ed. We're making sure the 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 air is still good. You know, we don't want to 
Making sure it's clear. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know how that expression goes. Anyway, last question, JD. Um, by the way, Craig, since you didn't give a hot take, gave his own. He says Nebraska's going to win the West. Shock the nation. Wow. Hey, it's possible it's, now. It is actually quite possible. It's possible for the boys. It's possible for Matt Rule and Co. Could you yeah. imagine if they were to win that entire deal? Yeah. If they, if they find their way into Indy and they win the Big Ten? What do yeah. we do then? Like, that just crashes every <laughs> single playoff scenario, does it not? Uh, it absolutely does. That would um, be unreal, man. Holy well, smokes. Well, for the day, uh, there's a lot of questions I'm not going to get to today. Um, Minecraft Arenas, OG Gary, a lot of people out there. Thanks for asking. Zach asked a good question, but I'm going to go with the one that came first and uh, pretty frequently. Rocky Top Tom said, more likely uh, K-State beats Texas or Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma this weekend, J.D.? I think Oklahoma State beating Oklahoma feels more likely. I think, see, even as I say that, I'm like, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll flip-flop there because I think Oklahoma State, they're going to give Oklahoma, I think both are going to be great games. I'll say that right now. Both are going to be great games. Both are going to be, hey, watch both those games. Be glued to your TV set. Um, Kansas State, the more that I think about it, with, with, with Texas having a backup quarterback, as good as Texas is defensively, handling that running quarterback attack is just tricky. I think they'll both win. I think Oklahoma and Texas both get out of this weekend with a win. But I think Kansas State, with how, how they're built and the, the spot that Texas is at right now, kind of trying to hold this thing together, is going to, to keep them ultimately from being able to, to win that football game. Or is going to keep them from being able to win that football game if you're Kansas State, rather. But it'll be good, man. J.D., really quick, uh, I, I like to talk about the, the teams we don't talk about as much. So Minecraft Arenas, I actually want to get to this question before Let's do we it. go. How do you feel about Arizona going into the Big 12 next year? Man, I feel a lot, you got to feel better about them right now with the way mm -hmm. that they've played this year. I mean, they don't have the, the most like attractive record, but look at the games that they've played and how tough they've played some of these teams. The way that they played Washington, I mean, took them down to, you know, the, it was a four-quarter game. The way they played USC and that went to like double OT. I mean, uh, they're, they're feisty, man. I think Jed Fish has got that thing headed the right direction. And if they can kind of win Arizona, if they can win Arizona on the recruiting trail, there's so much talent in that state. If they can just kind of keep a fraction of that talent home, uh, they're going to be really good for a long time, Nick. going to be really good. Okay. Hey, Nick, you know what? Let's do one more thing. Let's tell the people about prize picks and get our prize picks actual picks out there. Okay. And so we'll, uh, we'll let them know here really quick so we can also tack this on to one of the, uh, the end of our videos. I told you all we're going to have picks for you. I lied to you. We got to get those in on the live show and make sure that you know about that. So... Really quickly, prize picks, daily fantasy. Okay, phenomenal way to enjoy your Saturday afternoon whenever you're watching a college football game. If you just want to maybe have a little bit more of a uh, enhanced viewing experience, put some prize picks plays in there, and we'll have a good time. Here's what we got baked for this upcoming Saturday. Kind of got it in the oven, letting it cook a little bit, but we'll take it out on Saturday. It'll be hot and ready. Got a flex play for you, a three-pick flex play, meaning we do not need all three of these squares to hit for us to be able to get something back from our entry. Now, if all three do hit, good news, we're able to then, you know, make more from that from that kind of play. It's not a power play. If you want to do power play, it's either all or nothing. If, if it hits, you make all of your money back, or you make, excuse me, multiple amounts of your money back. And if you don't, you get none of it. So this is the way that we like to play. Starting off, Roman Wilson. His receiver, is, or his, his number is half a receiving touchdown. Against Purdue, Roman Wilson, one of the best receivers in the country. He's up there in terms of touchdown leaders in receiving touchdowns. 
Take Roman Wilson with the more there. We like that a whole, whole lot. Now, when it comes to passing touchdowns, we got Hudson Card sitting there at half a passing touchdown against Michigan. I know Michigan's great, but Hudson Card, the, the transfer from Texas, he can wheel and deal a little bit. You don't think they find a way to throw one touchdown? We'll take the more there on the passing touchdown, so we'll get him just one of those. The more hits, we keep on rolling. Now, the last one I like here, Haynes King and Georgia Tech. They have been a story this entire season whether he transferred from Texas A&M and they've had some improbable wins. They're wrecking shop on the ACC with wins over North Carolina. And they just had a great win this past weekend as well. Did, did, or excuse me, that was North Carolina. They beat this past weekend and then the win over Miami earlier in the year. Bottom line, Georgia Tech, the number for him is one and a half passing touchdowns. We'll take the more there. Virginia, they've been iffy this season. We'd like them to get that. So to recap it for you, Half a receiving touchdown for Roman Wilson, we like the more. Half a passing touchdown for Hudson Card, we like the more. One and a half passing touchdowns for Haynes King, we like the more there. This is a flex play, so we hit two out of three, we make some money. Redeem code JD, if you are a first-time user, 100% deposit match, up to $100, utilizing that through the prize picks. Through the prize picks app is how I like to play. You play however you would like to, to, uh, to play. So... Another thing I got to make sure you know, I'll plug it one more time before we get out of here. Uh, Prize Picks has really appreciated what y'all have done for this show. So we're doing a giveaway. We have a five pick flex play to win $1,000. Now, what you have to do is there's a code in this live show or in this, in this video, if you're watching it in a one off style, in the description. Going to be to a Google form. Submit your prize picks email that's tied to your prize picks account. We're going to select one of those at random, announced next week. And if you're selected, you can then put together your five-pick flex play. And if it hits, you can win $1,000. Okay, so make sure you get that in there. We appreciate prize picks for making that a reality. We appreciate y'all for generating this much attention so we can do things like this. So again, get those in at this link. We appreciate y'all. We're going to have a real good time. Fade or follow on those, uh, on those prize picks. All right. Thank y'all for being tuned in. Let's have the best college football Saturday the world has ever seen. Week 10, baby. Let's knock it out of the park. For Nick Brake, for myself, J.D. Pakel, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling. We will see y'all next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.